It's not unusual to find plenty of wine caves and wine cellars in wine country. What is unusual is discovering a sophisticated broadcast facility inside these well-protected and often top-secret chambers. But maybe it really isn't that surprising that America's number one wine broadcast originates from the soul of wine country. And it is our great privilege to do all we can to inspire you. If you drink wine simply because, well, it's a drink, we've got our work cut out. For literally thousands of years, wine has fueled celebrations, ended conflicts, and provided the ultimate connection between one human being and another. It makes food taste better, lifts spirits, sparks our imagination, and beckons us to slow down and love life. If that all sounds good to you, you're in the right place. So sit back, clear your head, put any worries you have on hold, and join us as we go in search of this week's Grape Encounter. But be warned, we speak a much different language than what you typically experience in most wine-centric environments. But you didn't come here because you're ordinary, did you? Good, because your host, David Wilson, is here to take you far, far away from the beaten path. Here's David. It's now 12 weeks in isolation, just me and my little dog, Henry. I decided that I wanted to get out and travel a good distance, even if it is digitally. So today, I'm taking you all the way to Italy to talk about a really interesting project that I found out about. It is called Vinum Hadrianum. And this is the brainchild of Piero Pavone. And Piero, welcome. Thank you. Thanks a lot. It's nice to have you on. Let's get a little sense of where we're talking to you from now. You're on the Adriatic side of Italy, correct? Exactly. Due east from Rome, but on the other side of the country, correct? Yeah, it's about two hours driving from Rome, but it's on the other side, so Adriatic Sea. The town is about uh, 10 minutes from the sea, but the, it's uh, at uh, 400 high meters in a very wonderful hills. Now, from the looks of things, this is a place that is not heavily populated, right? This is out in the country. Yes, exactly. It's a small region, population is less than a million, and of course the, uh, the location is uh, a little bit uh, far from the big city, but uh, somehow has lots of tradition in agriculture. The project of Vinum Adrianum started with a group of people that uh, know about the history and, you know, our traditions. And so basically it's, um, it's the project to make revival what uh, uh, we have done during the Roman age. Uh, we are talking about more than 2,000 years ago. Wow. When, uh, yeah, when the wines became very popular during uh, the Roman Empire. And the wine produced in these regions became one of the most expensive in the, in the whole empire. So, I mean, starting from this lovely story, we tried to put all the, let's say, the, the, the best things that we have in our uh, land. So the location the land, yeah. and the way we produce wine, and the kind of grapes that we have. So this is what's really interesting, and this is what drew me to this interview. The method used to make these wines 
is really quite different than what you would see at, you know, nearly all wineries, uh, chateaus, any place that produces wine around the world. You're using an ancient style of amphora, which okay. is very, very interesting. But, but even before we get into that, let's talk about grape varietals. So are the varietals that you're using varietals that would have been around 2000 years ago? This is the most complicated things because we know the names of the grapes at that time. We know the grapes of the last two, three hundred years, but we don't know what happened in between. So there is for sure something similar that at that time used to be. But, you know, with 2000, 2000 years, it's quite impossible to have the confirmation that uh, the actual, for example, Montepulciano was the grapes used during the Roman Empire. Or the actual, let's say, Corino or Trebbiano used to be the white wine at that time. But probably there are something because they are unique in our region, in a few regions. They come yeah. from a few regions. So also what is described by the ancient writer about our wine that was aged for a long time, probably this, this is the same characteristic that we'll find again in the Montepulciano. And uh, also the Montepulciano is a wine that can be long macerated. And this used to be the styles that they used to make, you know, put the maceration inside the amphora and let mama be in maceration for three or four months. So yeah. these wines will never see a wooden barrel. Is that correct? No. We said the grapes need to, the, the trees, the vineyards need to grow from the clay and need to finish to the clay. So the land is made by mainly clay and the amphora is made by the same clay. So, okay, so, so this is really fascinating because the amphora, first of all, these are quite large. They would hold about how much wine, would you say? Uh, well, 1,000 liter, the average is. Then you can have smaller or bigger, never, I mean. But then the, the clay that is used to make these vessels is the exact same clay that the... Uh, okay, we, we have, um, the, the territory is the same. Then we cannot okay, yeah. say that it's the same where we have the grapes. Of course, it's, that's impossible. But it's the same territory. So we are talking about the, the place where we are producing amphora is in um, an old town, very famous for ceramics, which is called Castelli. Castelli, ha it's famous everywhere in the world because there are so many artists that build the ceramics through, uh, let's say, artists, uh, and so the, we decided, I mean, we found partners there and we decided to rebuild somehow what uh, we were doing 2000 years ago. Well, I think what's fascinating about this is, is let's say, for instance, if, if we were making a Cabernet Sauvignon here in the Napa Valley in California, where I'm at, that might be aged in a barrel made from oak that came from France. And that's very different than aging a wine in a vessel that is created from soil that is essentially from that same region. So the concept of terroir, where the the region's impacts are very noticeable in the wine, I, I think it, this is taking that to a whole nother level, isn't it? Yes, exactly. This was the idea. The idea is to have everything done in the same places and have a unique kind of product that probably is not the best because most of the people like to have this kind of uh, taste, which is uh, strong and 
full of uh, tannins, no, sometimes. Yes. And sometimes, the, for example, the white looks a little bit orange. No, it's similar to the Georgian wine. Right, very, yes. So it's not for everyone, but the, there is a, a good maybe percentage of people that love to try these things, and for sure we are. So is history why you've taken this project on? Are you a history lover? Of course, yes. But it's a combination because okay. I think the position that we select, we found the, the best vineyards and they are in the best position because they have the perfect sun, the perfect height, the perfect water, the perfect land. So everything is a combination of things. Of course, history, but it's not just history. There is real, the, uh, the best grapes that we have in the territory. And then, of course, after the way we produce wine is trying to reach the best, let's say, solution to have something that is borderline. Because when you do this kind of uh, long maceration with oxygen, because the amphora also give lots of oxygen, you need to make research continuously. You, know? you have to yeah. understand what's the best. Because if, if probably 2000 years ago, the test of the wine were so different and maybe undrinkable today. So let me ask you this question. You are, as I understand it, something of a tech guy. You are yes. in a, a digital marketing and media. Yes. How in the world do you go from something so high tech to perhaps maybe the most low tech project you could possibly take on? Uh, this is the problem that uh, I, if I became 100% farmers, probably I will not be happy. But if I'm 100% in the digital, which is something that you cannot touch, you don't have nothing in concrete because it's something continuously changing, I will miss 50% of my life. So I cannot say which one is better. I just say, come and visit us and you will see. How is uh, to stay in a such beautiful land and in a such beautiful kind of life? Is there any winemaking or farming in your family's history? Well, there has to be. You're Italian. Um, yeah, my my grandmother. Yes, yeah, she used to be my grand my grand no, not my grandfather, but let's say my grandmother family. Yes. Then for two generations, no one has been working lands. Oh, they no. completely forgot. But somehow I restarted but not now i'm not fresh i or during also during my university i started looking how to make wine i was really really interested and finally after let's say 20 years since that time i had the possibility you finally decided to do it okay we're going to take a quick break it'll just take a second we're talking to piero pavone and he is the brainchild behind a very very interesting project called vinum hadrianum and i guess we would call it the central part of italy but on the eastern side of the country in other words as we call it here in the u.s out in the middle of nowhere we call it the boonies <laughs> but anyway, it looks like a very fun life and recreating a very important chapter of history. So we're going to talk more with Piero in just a second here on Grape Encounters Radio. David is back, and from the look of things, he's as revved up and as ready as a rodeo bull with an unwanted cowboy on his back. Hmm, bad metaphor. After all, the chances of keeping your wine in the glass while a bull is trying to 86 you from the party are slim to none. 
All right, back with Grape Encounters Radio, and I'm making a list, and it's a very long list of places that I want to go visit when I am allowed to leave my home and my studio, and one of those places would be in Italy. I am getting to know a bit more today about a really interesting winemaking project, Vinum Hadrianum, and it is the brainchild of Piero Pavone. And if you go to Rome and you travel about two hours east, you'll be near the Adriatic Sea and a very, very interesting region, very rich with history. Let's talk about the crews of ancient times there. There were, what, six or seven of them? Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, it, there are different writers, so it's quite impossible to mention all of them. But if we consider what Diocletian Emperor said, he put the list of the most expensive one. We are talking about three or four. And for sure, one of these was the Adrianum because it's in the Picenum area. So then it depends. If we collect all the one mentioned, probably there should be seven of them. Historically, the Roman has not been the, the first one to produce one, of course. There are probably yeah. Georgian that started 3,000, 4,000 years before the Roman. But the Roman were very, very focused on the quality of the wine. And right. they were they, they have been the first one to let the wine uh, stay longer aging. No? Uh, yeah. So that's why they give different prices to the quality of the wine. So let me ask you about the aging for a moment. The wines are fermented and aged in these large amphoras. Exactly. And they're made Six. out of clay. For Americans that are not familiar with this, it's like a giant vessel, a vase maybe, we might call exactly. it. But we don't use them very much here in winemaking, although it's making a comeback here in the States slowly but surely. But now the wine will stay Piero for how long in the amphora before it's bottled? Every year is different, but uh, let's say an average is that you can keep six months or let's say between four and six months with the skins, so do the maceration. Wow. And then you keep another six months there. It's less than than, than a barrel because the quantity of oxygen is uh, is usually is more and then you have different kind of uh, you have also uh, amphora that uh, are uh, you know the the most uh, let's say modern ones that can keep for longer but in general you should not keep more than than one years and then you can bottle and then it depends on the grapes uh, the montepulciano it's perfect in this way and the same the pecorino that we have is is is, is fine in this way but then if you use a cabernet or you use another grapes uh, honestly i have no idea it depends every grapes has his own so when did when did you personally begin making your first wines? Uh, it was uh, I still have a bottle, nineteen ninety seven. Nineteen ninety seven. Okay. No, nine. Sorry, the bottle is nineteen ninety seven, but the first one was nineteen ninety four. Ninety four. But no and, more. And that was was course. that just a hobby at that time for you? Yeah, it was was a hobby. Was a hobby. Uh, small production, like uh, maybe five hundred bottles. But uh, I was taking the care, like you know, uh, you know, making, uh, asking, uh, trying to reach the best quality, the best grapes. At the time, I used to buy grapes. Of course, I didn't have a right. Any, I land. So that was my first experience. Then, of course, I had to stop for more than 10 years, and now I'm back to... Yeah, you had to make a living. Yes. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So what do your friends think about uh, you reviving history 
and and taking on these very old methods of making wine. Do they think you're crazy or are people like who, excited yeah, about this this bringing this back? The one that uh, is uh, helping me of course in the land, uh, he thinks that I'm crazy. Uh, first of <laughs> yeah. all, yeah, first of all because I changed completely the way I'm putting the new vineyards, you know, I'm trying to change a little bit to try to restore what we used to do a long time ago. You know, they used to go more on the quantity not on the quality so somehow uh, it's a kind of revolution but my friends they helped me a lot That's so nice. in general i mean they really believe in this project you you put them to to work out there what is your first vintage in in a bottle what year is that the, this new project started in uh, 2018 yeah. so what you're what you're bottling now is is the the first release is that correct yes uh, yes 18 are you excited it will be, it will be less than 10,000 bottles so the production will I don't think I'm going to reach more than uh, 50 or 100,000 bottles. So uh, I want to keep a small production, but very, very uh, good. You will set one bottle aside for your friend David, right? Oh, that's that's, that's <laughs> yes. me, right? Yes. Uh, okay. Hey, very quickly, we only have like a minute left, and I'm, I'm sorry. We're going to catch up with you a little bit later on as soon as I get my bottle so that we can taste it together. And I promise you, I'm going to come out there and visit you sometime. But tell me briefly, in Italy, you had a very, very, very terrible time with the COVID-19 virus. How are things now? Now, I mean, uh, I, I see it looks uh, it looks gone, even if it's not, because just two days ago in the north, they had the new cases, you know, that uh, scared us a little bit. But when you look at the numbers, we are talking about really few cases. So the, the worst has Oh, that's away. great. That's great. For us, it was very bad because we were, after China, we were the first one who, from day one to day two, we changed completely the life. Uh, and so it was really dramatic March. April, somehow uh, it was okay. And now I think uh, everyone is feeling a little bit so get, getting, happy. So getting, yeah. back, getting back to normal again. Yes. Okay. Yes. And then uh, my last and most important question to you, Piero, is if I had a bottle of your wine here, today. And by the way, I forgot to tell you that I'm half Italiano, okay? My mother. Oh, fantastic. Uh, my, my mother's uh, <laughs> name, uh, family name Scaccianoce, right? To, to, Scaccianoce. To, to, oh. break, to break nuts, right? To break nuts, yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is more true than you realize. So if I was going to cook a meal to go with the wine, what would be the perfect thing for me to create? <laughs> for, okay, which one? The Montepulciano? The white or the... Yeah, yeah, the Montepulciano. The Montepulciano, you need to have uh, meat, meat, beef done in the oven with the, the, the kind of brasato. I don't know. Uh, yeah, no, I know. Yeah. Okay, so just roast it in, we, the, roast it in the, the oven. We have a wonderful dish here in Abruzzo, which is called Arrosticini. Arrosticini is a small sticks with small uh, pieces of meat that are amazing. And uh, you can, this is maybe the best dishes. That I will have to look that up. Okay, well, listen, I'm afraid that that's all the time that we have, at least for this subject. I sure appreciate you coming on with me. And, and also, I'm glad that you reached out to me, too, because it was so nice to hear from you. And then got to look at your project, and it just looks so interesting. And it's neat to see somebody who's a high-tech guy uh, who has a, a great love for things that are simple and old and historic. That's wonderful. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much. You're, you're very welcome. <laughs> okay, so if anybody wants more information, you can go to the website. It's vinumhadrianum.com. Exactly. So it's spelled this way. It's V-I-N-U-M-H-A-D-R-I-A-N-U-M. And that's where you find more very information simple. on the project. I appreciate it so much, Pierre. We're going to check back with you at a later time. So appreciate you coming on. Stay safe where you are at. 
And uh, we're going to be back in just a second with more Grape Encounters, this time coming from, well, the Sonoma Valley in California. So from Italy back to Sonoma and then out to you all here on Grape Encounters Radio. Three times an hour, we pause for a couple of minutes so that we can pass the microphone over to the wonderful people who support our weekly wine conversations. They make this show very special, so please give them your undivided attention. If you don't, we may decide not to share the good stuff with you. We'll be back before you know it. We're back with more Grape Encounters. Hey, please do us an enormous favor and like us on Facebook. It's the very best way to learn about other opportunities that we may not share on the broadcast. Also, join our mailing list on GrapeEncounters.com. Listeners on our contact list receive some exclusive opportunities. Become an insider. Enough said. Here's your wine captain, David Wilson. And we're back with Grape Encounters Radio. And how in the world, how in the world could I have been so negligent these past couple of months? I've had so many interesting, amazing guests on the show. But the most natural person to have on during this COVID crisis, the guy who can make us all feel better, the guy who can tell us what's really going on and what we should do going forward christopher sawyer the sommelier to the stars i screwed (laughs) up dude i it's taken me forever to get you on i'm sorry i'm in the house well virtually i guess Um, (laughs) yeah man i've been missing you i've been wondering how you've been doing too down there and you know the great central coast and here i am in sonoma county and uh obviously we we have a lot common we always have such great times together but i've been thinking about you so i was so glad that you reached out to me to be on this show with you today well you know i'm I'm kind of late in the game where christopher sawyer is concerned because i've seen you uh popping up on a lot of different podcasts and things like that you've been making the rounds you're in big demand but i i have been doing more (laughs) on zoom than i've ever done in my life i mean i've been on over 35 shows good great we did a great one called Cellar Pass TV, which um, actually they're like kind of a concierge right. um, group that really does a great job in all over the United States and the wine regions. And uh, they called me up originally and said, Chris, you know, we're really interested in getting you involved. And we have done some amazing shows with great wineries from, you know, Napa Valley, Sonoma County, up to Oregon and Colorado. And, and we did one with a great vintner from Nashville. Really? You know, uh, yeah, yeah. He, he does uh, Kit Brooks, the uh, great a country star owns this winery and so we talked with the winemaker and he loved the show so much that kicks brooks sent me a, a bottle that he signed for me and i was like oh damn dude you what, know this is awesome what kind of varietals are we talking well, about well that's a funny one because they use some really interesting varietals like i would judge um at the san francisco chronicle wine competition which opens up the plethora of grape varieties you can be judging which means stuff from the middle of the united states that grow there that are kind of hybrids of some sort and so one of them was vidal yeah vidal so we had some vidal and some other things their white wine with the vidal was great they also had a nice cabernet franc and some interesting blends and that 
that Cabernet that they sent me from Kix Brooks was actually from Walla Walla, Washington, where they got the grapes from. No, so, that, um, no that's yeah. no, that's cheating, man. <laughs> well, hey, they they do something from I believe it's from Lodi as well. But you know, hey, you can only grow so many grapes in those areas. The the humidity is too high. Their season is not like ours. We live in a very very special place on the planet. You know, the West Coast is very special from you know Central Coast up to us and into Oregon and Washington. There's just some real special places here. So if they're gonna make you know, great wines in Texas and Virginia and places like this in Tennessee. They also do have the ability to reach out to us if you need to kind of bottle something that people will be interested in there. And maybe it'll be also something where people buy something from Washington State or from California and go, you know what, we need to go there. And that's right. They do. They need to come visit us. Of course. Well, you know what? There's there's plenty of leftover grape juice. That's for sure. You know, yep. if, if people want to make wines uh, in some other part of the country using juice from the West Coast, there's been a glut, right? And there's going to well, be, a, be a big a one this bit, year, I think. A, yeah, A little bit. But, you know, it's it's been a tradition that goes way back. I mean, you know, before Prohibition, you know, this was the common thing is that they would order grapes, you know, to be sent. I don't know how they did it through Morse code or something like that. But okay. to be sent to their houses, you know, on the East Coast from California that would be trained there. They'd be taken by train to the East Coast and people would make wines from these grapes. So it's not super new, but it's just kind of cool. They want to make great wines and there's certain things that they just can't grow there. So they reach out to the people that can do that for them. All right. Let's talk a little bit about this new dynamic that we're dealing with yeah. right now. I think mm-hmm. we've all gotten pretty good during the past <laughs> couple of months at enjoying wine and some different ways. I'm getting a little tired of the term virtual wine tasting. It's a bit overused now. Maybe we could come up with some you know, new ideas. But my question is this, as we are starting to see restaurants reopen, uh, tasting rooms not quite yet. But in, in your summation, Christopher, what are the things that are changing that you think we're going to have to get used to living with and it's just going to be the new dynamic going forward. Yeah. So think about wine country and just when we used to just drive down, you know, some of these little highways and just pop into wineries and have a great time. With that yeah. And I mean, that's like a classic example of where you just kind of pull over, you do it. Sometimes you need appointments, sometimes you didn't. But now you really have to have appointments. You have to realize that they're going to require certain things from you. I'm not sure about masks at this point, you know, how that's all stipulated because we're really dealing with more on my end, the restaurant end, but it is really something where we have to kind of follow the same guidelines as we're doing in grocery stores. You know, we have to be six feet apart from each other. We have to be at most points probably wearing masks or some version of that or being in kind of isolated areas. I mean, you see some of these funny, which are cool. They're cool like restaurants like in the, you know, Manhattan or something where they just bought a bunch of shower curtains and they put them between the tables, you know, these plastic shower curtains. So you can see the people over there, but you're not next to the people because you got a shower curtain between you. So, (laughs) you know, there's going to be techniques like this. I think the advantage, especially I think in Central Coast and in places like this that have space, space is an advantage because in the old days, oh man, I wish we could just fill this place. Now you're going to be the people that actually do fill it because you do have space where you can take people and put them in separate little sections outside and really kind of, you know, make sure that they're being served correctly. You know, there's a lot of things I'm not really too sure because I haven't really read the requirements for wineries quite yet just because I am 
more of a writer, sommelier, you know, kind of overseer of a lot of things, consultant for a lot of people. And I yeah. do a lot of more spoken word things and, you know, obviously writing and traveling. I think it's going to be interesting from my perspective, too. And I will be down in the Paso Robles area, as I told you, because I'll be judging the Central Coast Wine Competition, which is, to my knowledge, will be the first competition. Well, you know what? We're going to do a rosé competition up here. I think it's the second week of, of June. And then the week after that, we do Central Coast. So when you come down here, I will make it a point to purchase a brand spanking new shower curtain. Okay. Right on, man. Right and, on. And, and so you and I can, we, we, we'll then just we be. can look at each other and call each other and like kind of talk to each other through the shower curtain. What if, what if we showered while we're talking? Oh gosh, here we go, Dan. I'm not talking about, you know, anything, you know, no, no nakedness. I'm just talking about, you know, we, we wear one of those old, uh, 20s style one piece bathing suits for men, you know, yeah, and, and we'll, sure. uh, you know, sure. kind of a, be a nostalgic kind of a thing. We'll have some fun. Now, seriously, though, wine appreciation is such a personal, intimate experience. The whole, yeah. just this whole thing with, you know, not that I'm, I'm against wearing masks or taking all the necessary precautions, but. Yeah. Come on, it already feels so weird, and it's it's yeah, so I it's mean, so contrary to what wine is all about. How are we going to get around that? Well, Look. let me say this, okay? I'll, I'll talk on behalf of Scott Harvey, who's one of the great legendary winemakers of California. You know, he started the Menage a Trois and Folia right. Du yeah. uh, brands, and then he started his own brand up in the Sierra Foothills. He's actually a member of the Wine Institute and the California Grape Growers Association. He was on our show for Cellar Pass TV um, a week ago, and you know, he had a really insightful view of it. He said, you know, we'll start when we are assured we're not going to make a mistake. Um, and so it's a very slow process. So, I mean, as much as I want to go out there and really go visit my friends and make sure they know that we all love them too, that make these great wine. I think we're doing the best we can through the ways that we are. And we'll talk about that in a minute, but I think that it's going to be a very slow process. And I think you're going to, it's going to be a super strange learning curve where we just aren't sure but I'll tell you it from the restaurant standpoint because, you know, I've got the great restaurant Gravenstein Grill in Sebastopol, which has been great success. Oh, hold on to that thought for just a second okay. because we don't have sure. time to do it before sure, the break sure, sure. here. So we'll do that. But anyway, we're talking to Christopher Sawyer. He should not just be called the sommelier to the stars, <laughs> but also the touchy-feely sommelier. Every photograph you'll ever see of Christopher Sawyer, he is like all just like in there with whoever's in the photograph. It's not like stand there and, and snap the picture. It's very intimate. And this is going to be especially difficult for guys like you who are touchy feely. Like people. What's wrong with that? I'm sorry. Well, I know it's 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 fine, <laughs> but maybe you know what you and I could be the creators of the full body condom. You know, where you just like you know just. Oh boy. Let, I think yeah. this is another show we should talk about this one. Yeah. No, 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 really. Just put this you know kind of a thing like that over your entire body, and then you can hug or do whatever, right? Okay. Okay. All okay. right, or maybe not. Okay, we're gonna be back with Christopher Sawyer, sommelier to the stars, and wise sage who will help us to acclimate to the new world order right after this on Grape Encounters Radio. We've got to take a breather for a minute or two. Don't go away. Remember, if we don't let the wine breathe, it's impossible for the show to be done in good taste. (laughs) 
back with Grape Encounters Radio and one of my all-time favorite guests, Christopher Sawyer, sommelier to the stars, a.k.a. the touchy-feely sommelier. That's uh, Christopher, your new designation. And you got a restaurant uh, up there in Sonoma County, the Grabenstein Grill, right? Correct, correct. And so, that's a, Grabenstein is, a, is, a, is an apple, and you're an apple country yep. up there, okay? We are. This was where Luther Burbank invented that famous apple, and it's uh, very well-known up there. Not as much grown as, as used to be because we replaced it with a bunch of killer vineyards, but you will still find them there. So what are you all doing to make people feel better? You guys are going to be opening, what, in the next week or two? Is that about right? Yeah, we, we were shooting for two weeks. You know, we're really excited about it. And I think that this is really the framework that people need to go by, especially from the restaurateur and, and winery standpoint, is to make the people feel so happy that they chose to come and visit. Because I think that there's still this kind of, you know, withholding kind of thing where people just are still a little bit spooked. Maybe we should go maybe we shouldn't we just want people to feel like they've got options that they're being taken care of that we are following all the rules and over exceeding their expectations from us you know as soon as possible i want to start doing my weekly uh, wine wednesday uh, pouring person we have a section of the property already set aside for that to happen with the people stepping up to the actual bar area getting their glasses and then having a six foot radius around it that people will go and, and enjoy their glass and kind of come back when they're ready but wait their turn like we do in lines and this will happen we want it to still be there we want them to have a wine country experience and this is a great way to do that so where i'm getting irritated and i must say that i've been a very very strong proponent for all of the measures that have been taken to try to mitigate or eliminate the uh, coronavirus but at the same time i think that there are a number of people out there that are in positions of authority that make us feel like we've got cooties, like we've all got cooties. And it's, yeah. and, and that's the part that we've got to get beyond because I understand that there are 50, 60, 70 things that every business has to do to protect everybody's health. And I'm so for that, but let's be a little warmer and fuzzier about it because there's yeah. just a whole guilt trip kind of a thing that I yeah. think is unnecessary. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. But, you know, that's why I think that we're just trying to over-deliver for what we do. Like I said, we're going to do takeout food, too. So, like, people want to come, and maybe they we can't fit them in. You know, we do have a lot of space, and that's an advantage to us. But, you know, we want to use that same menu and do takeout, which we haven't done during this period because, you know, it's a big building. We can't just keep our lights and refrigeration units on in every part of it. So we just decided to close, um, like everyone, and not do any takeout. Or And I do ha – hey, believe me, I've got great examples of – takeout food that we've had and we've really been supporting the local producers and great uh, restaurants around here and buying wines right from their little stock where they sell it at retail which is crazy because that's actually not legal by usual terms but because the governor has allowed us to do these kinds of things you can just sell it at kind of retail prices instead of you know making the people feel like they were being gouged yeah you know? that, that's um, nice so yeah. by by the what we call the three tier system which is the distributors in the middle so we're trying to figure out if there's ways we can do these kinds of things and still provide even the wine for them to take home, just like we would go down the street and, and go to a bar where they come up to the door to meet you and, oh, okay, you want, you want a Bloody Mary, you want a Greyhound? Okay, let me make that. And then they come out with a plastic cup for you and you, you take off. I mean, that sounds great. I mean, you do it all the time in Florida and Bahamas and things like that. But, you know, is that something that we're going to do now? Who knows? Let's get it started. Let's find out where things happen that we they maybe shouldn't have happened. And let's not make sure that these mistakes don't 
result in more virus spreading. It's a long-term thing here where it's not going to be like we're all hanging out at the same winery, at the same wine bar there. You know, we're all, hey, can I get it? Can I try the next one, please? You know, right next to the person that's like, oh, yeah, you're, so you're from Texas, huh? You know, it's going to be a little bit different than that, even though we want it to be like that. I certainly hope it will be before the end of the year. All of us that are in some form of the hospitality industry really have to focus on inventing new ways to make people feel more welcome, warmer than ever. And as this becomes the reality that we settle in on, we're going to have to figure out better ways to communicate. That's all it's to it. That's not to take anything away from anybody. And I really mean that sincerely. The advantage right now to being home is, you know, like kind of just thinking about these things, but also having a chance to enjoy wine, really taking time going down to my cellar. I've got a bottle of J. Lore Riesling right in front of me. That's from 05 that I found down there. And you know what? I opened it a few days ago. It's still delicious that's pretty nice um, yeah. and these kinds of things you know people are exploring wines they're ordering a lot of stuff from online i have personally been tasting a lot because of these shows that i've been featured on you know and there's a lot you, you guys can uh, follow me on uh, sawyersom.com and my new show that's called the bridal show with sawyer Som, which is really fun but you know even when i film those things most of the big ones are on zoom but mine are kind of a little bit more with winemakers but we have to be you know six to eight feet apart but what we're doing is clicking glasses that's like our ooh man hey yeah we're here together clink you know but maybe that's the starting point is you know some fist pumps and clinking of glasses anything other than just being by ourselves in our homes and you know it's great having time with family like i've never expected that i would have like 80 straight days with my son <laughs> i really never thought that especially when i judge up to 21 22 yeah, no. a year but it's also enjoying what you have and, you know, appreciating life. And I think that a lot of people have, have used wine as a, as a really good tool to, to just kind of explore things maybe that they haven't even really done before. I wouldn't yeah. doubt that there's a few people out there that love Cab that really start uh, lurking around about Pinot and, and things like that. Drinking a little J-Lore Riesling, Good. perhaps. Hey, uh, Christopher, yeah. guess what? We're out of time. <laughs> guess what? Never. I can't okay. believe it. I can't believe it. But you know what? I'm going to leave you with this thought. I'm going to create a little invention, okay? It's going to be a little thing okay. that uh, I can just fit in the palm of my hand, okay? And it's just a little button, and it's a little sound effect device. And when I hit it, it makes a clink sound okay so I yeah, like it do you like it so i reach out with my glass to you but i don't you actually that? touch your glass yes <laughs> that's, that's done with my earphone and uh my opener against a good bottle wow uh, that's some clink we'll call you yes. colonel clink that's great <laughs> all right it's sawyer s-a-w-y-e-r som s-o-m-m dot com Tune in to everything that Christopher is doing. He is the man. If you just want to have a permanent smile plastered on your face, then follow Christopher around. Here, here. If you see people following you around, Christopher, those are my listeners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hey, that's going to do it for Grape Encounters today. My very special thanks to Christopher for coming on. We're going to be back here same time next week. So have yourself a very, very fine Memorial Day weekend. Cheers. I wasn't expecting that. Well, this episode of Grape Encounters is in the bag. It's hard to imagine you haven't missed some episodes, so why not hunt them down at GrapeEncounters.com or on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and other podcast sites. Grape Encounters Studios are located in beautiful Atascadero, California. That's Central Coast wine country, baby. Come visit us, but be warned, you won't want to leave. 
That's okay, we have a spare bedroom. But it's 55 degrees and full of old bottles. 